0: Welcome to another episode of Between Meals Biblical Studies. My name is Pastor George Gray. I am your host, and I am thankful that you're here. Thanks for listening. Um, so I've been gone for a couple of weeks, which was a good thing, because I needed a break, and uh, my wife and I... Took a trip down to the Ark Encounter in the Creation Museum in Northern Kentucky. It's around Williamstown. It's really, really fantastic. If you have not been, you really need to go. Both places were absolutely unbelievable. We had a fantastic time. Um, the Ark is just un- just amazing, tremendous detail. They put a ton of effort into that, and the Creation Museum, absolutely fantastic place. Go down, great family vacation, and a wonderful way to build your faith. Something about being able to walk through biblical history. That is uh, uh, just just amazing for our faith. So, but I'm not talking about that today. Uh, I want to talk about something that happened um, that came about while I was down there. So when I, um, when I went down, before I left, I decided to do a little bit of promotion for the Between Meals Facebook page. So I started running an ad. Now, when you run ads on Facebook, basically you just pay them a little bit of money, and then you make a little ad, and it's usually a little blurb or something about your page. And they just send it around to, uh, you know a few thousand people a day or whatever, however much it was. Uh, And it doesn't, like, override your page. It just kind of comes up in your feed, just like a normal ad for things that you would get for, like, I'm sure you've seen the ones for, like, little CNC's or, uh, you know, some sort of kitchen gadget or something like that. Those are all exactly the same thing. This just comes up on a certain number of people's pages. Now, to make it the most effective that I could, I targeted it to people whose profiles had things like Christian or born again or Christ or religious or something like that in the profile. At least that was what was supposed to happen. It doesn't always work that way. So the ad went out to a bunch of, a uh, bunch of people and some people really liked it, got a lot of good feedback and, um, some people didn't like it at all and were really, really mad that that ad showed up on their screen. Um, which is, you know, kind of unfortunate, but you know, there you go. Um so what I want to do is I want to share some of what, uh, some of what I gleaned from the responses, even the nasty ones, uh, because some of them honestly were quite nasty. Now, the reason I do this is not to make fun of these people. Uh, their information is blurred out and stuff like that, and all, and the inappropriate language has been, has been blurred out. Because there's a little bit of that there too, so they weren't just sort of angry, they were really not happy that uh that that the ad was in their fate in their in their feed mm, too bad so um the reason i'm doing this is because as christians today we are facing more and more types of persecution, um, and real hostile, uh, reactions towards the gospel. Um, and it's, it's happening all over the place. You know, some things to be, uh, to be thinking about. I mean, if you look at, uh, let me get over here to the keynote feed. And, uh, if you look at Matthew 10, 21 and 22, it says that brother will deliver brother up to death and father his child. Children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. This is all because one is Christian, one is not. And verse twenty-two says, "And you will be hated by all for my namesake, but those who endures endure to the end will be saved." So we know that as Christians, there's no safe space for us. There's no, there's no spot where all of a sudden our faith just becomes this magical thing that protects us from all things. There's a lot of teaching in the church that if you're faithful and you're good and you're living a consistent Christian life, that God is somehow going to protect everything about you. Nothing bad will ever happen to you. You'll never get sick. You'll never be poor. You'll never, you know, your, your shoes will never wear out. All kinds of real nonsensical things. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus is saying, when you follow me, it is going to separate you from other, uh, from, from other areas of society and you're going to be hated for it because When we stand on the teachings of Christ, we by nature stand against the beliefs of the secular world and the teachings of the secular world. There's nothing we can do about that, so we can't hide. We just have to understand that this is a normal part of our faith. Being disliked, being hated, and being persecuted in one way, shape, or form, um, because we're definitely not persecuted the way people are in other parts of the world, yet I'm sure it's coming, um, this is a natural part of our faith, and if we don't learn how to exist within this environment, we're in trouble. Um, So... When you, when you think about this, this becomes a real serious issue. So a couple of things that have been going on, you might not know this, but can, there's been a couple of Canadian pastors who have been jailed just for having service. Um, there's a Canadian pastor, I can't remember exactly where he's from, I think from Alberta or somewhere around there, um, who was arrested not this last Sunday, but the one previous Um he had an Easter service where their health department showed up and tried to shut them down. And basically, he ran them out of the building. Um, and then they showed up again. He did the same thing. And then this two Sundays ago, he left his church. He was driving home and he basically got surrounded by a bunch of police officers who, you know, the police officers, regardless, they're doing their job. They have orders. I'm not coming down on them. The people who gave those orders, that's a completely different story. They should be ashamed of themselves for even allowing something like this to happen. They put this guy in jail simply for having church. There was no outbreak. There was no issue with COVID. Their, their government just didn't like the idea that they weren't being blindly obeyed in every way, shape, and form. This is unfortunate, but it really speaks to the, the environment that we're in. Today. Um, so he's in jail right now, and my understanding was he wasn't just in jail, he was in jail for the first night without the ability to sleep, no bed, no blankets, no nothing. Just a cold concrete floor. And uh so I'm sure when he gets out he'll have some testimonies. Maybe we'll put those videos up and that'll be an interesting thing to take a look at. Another pastor, um, part of um what was it? Yeah, it was Grace Grace Life Church, he was the first one in Canada who was jailed. Simply for having service, um, for having church, people were coming voluntarily. He wasn't making anything, uh, doing anything, um, uh, forcing anyone to be there. They were taking precautions inside the church, but didn't make any difference. The government said, "You're not allowed to be Christians. You're not allowed to." You know, yeah. Well, let me say that correctly. They didn't say you weren't allowed to be Christians, but you understand what I'm saying. They were saying you're not allowed to gather. And he said, "No, I'm sorry. That we're we're going to gather. We're going to we're going to to come together and we're going to worship the Lord." They hauled him away, put him in a maximum security prison for th- over 30 days. I think it was like 32 or 33 days. Um, you know, and of course, most of you are familiar with the uh, battle that John MacArthur has is having with uh, Los Angeles County. Um, he has been sued. He has been taken to court. He has won every single time because here in the United States, there's this little thing called the establishment clause and the government is not allowed to interfere with, with houses of worship at all. At all, so he, he he has won his cases um, and they the, the county has actually gone as far as removing the lease for the parking lot that the church uses to make it as difficult as possible for them to have church. I mean talk about a petty vindictive thing to do, but this is this is where our world is going. Now we look at this as as Christians, we might look at this as as just silly and stupid and and government run amok. The government looks at it as a, as a public health issue, which, so there are people who might take the government side saying this is a public health issue, and there might be people who are taking the church's side saying, no, we're supposed to gather and worship. Whatever side you fall on is irrelevant. How we respond to things is really what the important part is. So we can't just run around willy nilly doing whatever we want, not taking other people's safety into consideration. But at the end of the day, the lengths that these governments are going to, to stop something as simple as church worship services, and in none of these services were they having any issues with COVID or COVID outbreaks. It was actually handled very well. It's really sad to see these kinds of things happening. So as Christians, we need to be aware that this is happening in the world around us, and it is not going to get better for us. It is going to get harder for us in this process. So we need to... Get our minds wrapped around the idea of how to handle people who are going to be very angry, very, um, very insulting, very, you know, uh, uninformed, coming at you with name calling and uh, whatever, whatever, however it manifests in your life. We need to get our heads wrapped around the fact that this is going to happen uh, to us. So um, when I ran the ad, there were some people who were less than happy and uh you know atheists can be mean um they can be pretty si- pretty silly at times but you know um this isn't the first time that i've had to deal with this and uh some of the responses that i get are not always from atheists some of them are actually from christians uh because i'm in the creation debate um uh creation conversation i get a lot of very nasty feedback from other christians uh, I've actually even been told that you can't just take the Bible for what it says. I find that to be absolutely amazing coming from a Christian, but these are things that we have to learn how to deal with. It's very easy to just get offended and walk away and call people stupid or uninformed. But that's, that's, that's great, but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to engage people however we can, the best way we can, for the benefit of the gospel. So this becomes very difficult if we're not willing to do things that are sometimes uncomfortable for us. Um so when I when I when I ran the ad I got a, a number of uh feedbacks and, and every now and then I get asked this kind of question. How do you deal with ugly comments and ugly responses on Facebook and YouTube? And as we're going through something I want to make very plain to you is I very rarely, very rarely Respond to any of these comments. The stuff that we're looking at, I just kind of leave there, um, to, unless it's vulgar, and then I delete it. But uh, usually, we'll gra- take a screen grab of it first. Um, but I very rarely respond to nasty comments or nasty, uh, you know, reviews or something online. Um, if they're really bad, I'll delete them. But if they're not, I just leave them up because they will usually start some sort of dialogue with someone at some point in time, or I can do exactly what I'm doing right now and use them as examples for you. So. What ends up happening is you some people want to just argue with them, you know, get online and, and use this as an opportunity to reach out to these people. I've been doing this for quite a while now, and one thing I can tell you is that you very rarely get into a meaningful conversation, a fruitful conversation with anyone online. Uh, And that's because people's attitudes change when they're on the other side of a keyboard. Um, You can be very brave when you're just typing stuff out. It's a lot different when you're face-to-face with someone. You can actually have a meaningful, purposeful dialogue face-to-face with someone, sitting down, going through difficult issues. It's really, really hard to do that when all you're, all you're seeing is words on a screen. Um, cause you don't know how they're saying it. You don't know how they're responding. You know, you don't know what the tone of their voice is. Um, but when you're actually able to talk to them, that's when, when real, in my opinion, where real ministry begins to happen. Very, when people say, I'm an online evangelist. No, you're not. You think you're an online evangelist, but you're really not an online evangelist. You're just having conversations and you have no idea what's going on in these people's lives. Um, someone might accept the Lord online. You have no idea what has happened to them after that. I'm sure there are people who try to do this, but I have never seen it done successfully. If you have an example of someone who has actually known someone who's gotten saved online and has become an actual fruitful Christian, I would love to know that because it'd be nice to see that somewhere out there these things happen. But I think real ministry happens face-to-face, and that means we need to be able to handle people face-to-face. This is not always that easy to do. But we can do it if we just put our minds to it. So when we're looking at these types of things, um, uh, when I ran that ad, the ad, the, the overly offensive, highly controversial ad that I ran was this one. This is what the ad looked like. And it said, developing an understanding of biblical apologetics is an essential skill for every believer. Our ability to understand and defend the Christian faith with confidence and accuracy is incredibly important to the gospel mission. True, right? the The video teachings and podcasts are here to help you in your journey of faith, uh, to help you grow and develop your understanding of God's word. That was the whole ad. That's all it did. That's it. Came up, got a little little you know stupid picture of my mug in there. Great. <laughs> uh, some of the comments were actually pretty funny, but um, you know, I I used to get really bummed out when these would happen, but um, I've done this enough. I don't get bummed out anymore. I choose to look at these things as opportunities to learn where people are and really how not to respond to, uh, to people in the future. Uh, because I've had my share of stupid responses to things. I'm not immune to that whatsoever. But you know, 1 Peter 3, um, 15 through 17 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you, for, uh, Ask you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Do this with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, back to being persecuted as Christians, right? Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. This is... This is really important. We're told right here plainly, not a lot of not a lot of room to argue here, that we are to be ready to give a defense for our faith, but to do this with meekness and fear in a way that holds up our character, holds up the character of Christ, holds up the integrity of God's word. And if people want to malign us, if they want to make us look bad or feel bad or say bad things about us online, we just simply allow it because it's better to be maligned for doing good than it is to let your temper get the best of you and be maligned for doing evil. Because if there's one thing that I think we, sh- we should all know is there are plenty of people out there, I have been on this side where we have given people more than enough reason to stay away from the church because we've responded poorly to to them in one way shape or form Um, and it's it's unfortunate but that is a reality in our life it is a truth that we have to come to terms with and we need to move forward trying to be better than we were yesterday so let's take a look at some of these comments and get an idea of uh, how not to do this so here's the first comment It says, too bad your focus isn't rational thought. Learning how evidence works and learning how to apply logic. Then again, if you did that, everyone you tried to scam would quickly learn that everything that you're spouting is 100%. There you go, bad word. So you have, uh, and it says, so you have to rely on lies from everything about what other people believe to what science says and to even what the Bible says. Wow, that was a mouthful, right? So... Obviously, right off the bat, the first thing that I can see is this person has obviously never listened to anything that I have ever taught on the topic of apologetics because just about everything I do has some application of logical application and interpretation of evidence, how to actually learn to think. I very rarely tell people what to think. I typically try to teach people. How to think about a specific topic. So, how do you look at something and take it apart and understand what the meaning is? How do you apply that meaning to today without without misapplying that? Especially when when it comes to scripture. You know, some people like to say all you have to do is read the Bible and do what it says. That um, that 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 sounds great until you realize that at some point in time you've got to put an altar in your backyard and start sacrificing bulls. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a lot we got to understand about the Bible, and the most important thing is that we need to understand what. It meant to the people that it was originally written to because those are the, that's where we actually find the real truth. So we're, I'm constantly doing that. So this person has obviously never listened to a thing that I've said. So immediately the first thing I, I look at is I have to take this with not even a grain of salt, but just get an idea where this person is coming from. Now, at the same time, I'm not really sure what the scam that I'm running is, but I'm guessing the scam that they're talking about is the idea of trying to put forward a religious belief that they don't believe in. So they see that as a scam, me trying to basically run a number on someone, and they might even be thinking that I'm probably just asking for money, which if anyone has been part of my channel for any length of time, you know, I never ask you for money, uh, because there's no, I don't get paid to do this. This is, this is, uh, there's, this is, this is all just for the benefit of, Believers to help grow their faith and develop their understanding and skill in in the ministry of God's word because that's the goal. Um, but the other part is, is this question uh, that I'm obviously getting all of my information, right? He says I have to rely on the lies of other people about what people believe and what science says. So obviously everywhere where I'm getting information... It's just from people who publish lies and I should probably take my time and get my information from reputable sources. People who are educated and trained in certain things. Cause obviously I'm just repeating information from people who have no idea what they're talking about. Now this is the, this is, this is where you have to kind of balance things out because in reality, especially in the creation argument, everything that I bring forward, every piece of information, they're all cited if you've ever seen any of my any of my uh presentations every piece is cited every piece has a has uh, the ability to go back to the original article to the original source and all of those sources are either bachelors and masters degree holders in that field of study or they are phd research scientists in that field of study and some of these people are among the top in their field they are published scientists I don't use any non-specific or non-field-related material because it doesn't hold water. You have to have the real documented, peer-reviewed articles, which is everything that we use. Uh, So, you know, the problem here... Is a very common one. Um, and it's basically just a massive amount of assumption. And this is, this is something that we have to learn how to deal with. People are going to assume because you take a certain view on a certain subject, whether it be morality, whether it be sexuality, whether it be sexual identity, that because you take a certain view, you must be operating in a certain degree of ignorance or a lack of understanding or from some religious fundamentalism. And that's because they don't typically understand anything but their own view. This is very dangerous because Christians, we can do the same thing. If we don't learn to understand other people's point of view and where they come from, we will make the same mistakes. We will end up assuming that we understand where someone is coming from, but we won't have any clue of where they are actually coming from. So they assume because I hold a certain view that they don't agree with that I'm stupid and uninformed and that's fine. And that's usually the way that it's spelled out. Um, Now, as I'm looking for this particular one, I'm also realizing that this person probably was, just based on the amount of anger in their, in their post, they may have actually been hurt by a church or a Christian at some point in time, or had a really bad religious experience. Who knows? Um, there's a lot of people out there like that. There's a lot of people who actually carry anger. Towards the church because of things that they actually never experienced. When you think about the Catholic sex scandals and some of the other, um, you know, like all the 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 people in Hillsong that are being that are being uh, asked to step down as pastors for misusing money or for affairs and things like that. These are things that can cause people to have a lot of anger towards the church. And if you occupy a position or if you uh, seem to be, you know, the the in the same in the same vein as the people that they may have uh, uh they may have seen do these things, they may hold you in the uh, see you by the same light that they see that other person. So I typically am not going to spend a lot of time arguing with someone in this particular type of situation. Instead what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna focus on asking questions and trying to to get to, to a place where I understand their point of view on a given subject. Because if I can learn their point of view, I've got a better understanding of how maybe to reach them. Um and then at the same time I can maybe open their eyes to the flaws in their own thinking. This person is obviously making a ton of assumptions, uh, and they're vomiting up whatever, you know, internal beliefs they have about Christians onto anyone who actually carries the name Christian, and that, that's just unfortunate, but it speaks to something probably in their past that brought them to this place of of anger and resentment. Um, so I want to be careful and cognizant of that. I don't want to give them another reason to stay away from the church. I want to try to draw them closer to the church. And if I spend time listening to that person, it's usually going to be a good way to do it. Um, so let's, um, let's move on to the next one. Uh, this one's actually pretty funny. Uh, it says, um, Hey, great news. Uh, I figured out that you don't have to believe in ancient superstitions anymore. Turns out people used to just make stuff up when they had no clue what they were talking about. <laughs> kind of like what this guy's doing right now. Uh and uh, uh and other people believe them because they were gullible and had no uh intention or means of investigating the the enticing lies. Um it's so funny. You know, y- you have to stop at some point in time and anyone who is going to uh use Wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> anyone who's going to throw a wikipedia link to you uh, as their informed rebuttal against an argument they're they're already in trouble um, you you already know that they're the, the funny thing is this guy is talking about you know people not having the means or the intention to actually investigate the lies that they're being that they're being told and that people just make stuff up <laughs> kind of like half the people on wikipedia i've 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 gone through different things in wikipedia and just thought are you kidding me this isn't even there there's nothing wrong. Right. About this. I mean, granted, Wikipedia is trying to do better, but basically it is not at where anyone who wants to do serious research is going to go. But apparently this is where this person is getting all their information. Um, You know, uh, I would ask this type of this person uh, a couple of different questions. The first one would be, you know, do you have any proof? that the biblical text was just randomly made up because that's the that's the 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 accusation you're tossing tossing out here you know people used to just make stuff up and other people were so stupid and gullible they just believed them well okay so you know i want to give you an opportunity to to validate that can you give me any proof historical or archaeological or scientific that shows that the bible was actually just randomly made up by people I'll give you a couple minutes, you know, go, go ahead. Because, see, some things that I know are, is the Bible is 66 books written by, um, you know, uh, by multiple authors over 1,500-year time period um, that deals with, uh, deals with all the same accounts. It has multiple prophecies uh, given by one person that are fulfilled in the book written by another person. They didn't know each other or talk to each other. A lot of times they didn't even have access to the same information, but they're writing about the fulfillment of a prophecy that they may not have even known that was uh, was going on there. Talking about interactions between man and God and history and archaeology and science backs up a lot of the claims that you find in the Bible. So how is that something that's going to be randomly made up? So how are you substantiating your claim that the Bible was just made up when history, archaeology, and science, and honestly even logical thought, would tell you that this is not something that was just randomly made up? This is actually a very verifiable um, uh, set of manuscripts. So where's the proof? See I would challenge the very assumption, you know, scripture tells us to don't don't answer a fool according to his folly, but at the same time answer a fool according to his folly. Just don't be arrogant ourselves as we're doing it, you know. Um Now in this particular uh, conversation chain there was a bunch of other comments uh, attached to this and every time um, every time I do something like this, I always get the random Christian who decides they want to try to be helpful in the process. So they see people making comments like this and then they decide to be, to be helpful and this is some sort of evangelistic opportunity. And I want to show you, uh, there, there's, there's some good ways of doing things and there's some really bad ways of doing things. This particular person, when they tried to help, they started off the conversation was, do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit, and salvation? Like that was the question that this person asked everybody who commented on This particular ad, and there's nothing I could do about it. It's an open platform; it's just kind of the way it works. But uh, it's really it's 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 very frustrating when you when you see something like that because the only now I can't even get involved in the conversation if I wanted to because I've I've got to get involved in a way it's probably going to make this other person look, unfortunately. Uh, Not that great. Um, So the only thing I can really do is just stay out of it. And I kind of followed along with this conversation, and it was it it was unfortunate. So this person basically said, you know, hey, um, I'm part of a rosary group, and we we pray for you, and and you know, I would just really like you to think about salvation, and you know, standing before God. And this person just said, you know what, you can pray for me if you want. I really don't care. It's all fake. Uh, That was the way they uh, they came at it, and and the conversation concluded with this he said then when you uh when your judgment day comes may god have mercy on your soul i mean that's 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 how he ended the conversation now i couldn't put the rest of it up because there was other stuff in there that it just became really long so this is the best i could do with this i apologize but this is why i don't get into conversations into and, de- and, and debates especially in the chat chain Uh, in these kinds of situations, because there's no way to do it that is going to be fruitful and meaningful. Um, and especially when you end the conversation with, you know, may God have mercy on your soul when you die and you're about to be sent to hell. And that's just really great sounding, you know? And, And of course the other person, uh, responds with, you know, that they stole that whole idea from the Egyptians, right? Um, so this idea, I, I just felt so bad. Um, so they, they throw up this little, you know, this this, this little Egyptian uh, um, uh, carving. It's, it's just, you know, it's just sad. And this is the comment that they put on right there. So you can do that if you want, uh, but you would probably be much better off if you looked into how wrong the book you got these ideas from is. Maybe spending that much time uh, playing pretend is keeping you from actually understanding the world you live in. Doesn't that sound caring? Doesn't that sound you know like i really wish you would just open your eyes to the truth you know um it's it's pretty sad uh this you know the person puts forward the idea that if you just look into other things if you spend your time reading other things which apparently is wikipedia then then maybe your eyes can be open to the truth and you'll be set free from the bondage of these 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 you know horrible religious beliefs and you know as a christian I got to kind of spin that around and toss that back to them because really I'm thinking the same thing where if they would just spend their time reading something like the Bible instead of reading something as utterly useless as Wikipedia, then maybe their eyes would be open to the truth and they would be set free from their wrong beliefs. You see those I can you can you can spin that around and put it right back onto them you know because if I'm reading something as historically accurate as archaeologically sound as scientifically sound as the Bible, then I think I'm in better company I, and i'm a, I'm on a better path than someone who's going to spend their time getting their information from wikipedia uh it's really sad that 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 happens, but you know these are this is this is the conversations that we have um and you can see where people's thinking where people's thinking takes them. Anything that doesn't have to do with the Bible seems to be okay. They're willing to agree with it and see it. And part of me have to, has to understand or at least be willing to have the conversation as to why that is. Why is it that people are so willing to embrace something other than Scripture? And part of me thinks that it's because of the way that the church has represented itself over the years. I haven't done a really good job um, being that open, graceful you know, um, willing to have conversations, willing to let others speak and understand, we tend to be more interested in forcing our view and being really overly aggressive. Not always, you understand what I'm saying, but that tends to be the tactic. I can remember a number of years ago, I was running the uh, basic ministry. It's a it's a ministry on college campus called Brothers and Sisters in Christ, and I was informed that a, a local, that a, um, an evangelist was showing up who was a relative of someone who was, I was actually going to church with at the time. And they said they were going to be going to the campus to do some, to do some open air ministry and that I should connect with this person. I said, okay. And what I didn't know was that they had already done that. Um, so, you know, I had spent a couple of years trying to get this club established on, on campus. I had finally gotten the campus to recognize it as an actual club. Um, we were, you know, we were making headway and then this evangelist decides to come onto the campus and he walks in wearing a t-shirt that says, God hates and then lists all these sins. And, uh, you can imagine how that went over with uh, with the campus, and you could probably imagine how that went over with me. I was about as happy with it as the campus was, because essentially what he did is he just stripped away all of the forward motion that we had put together into that club, we lost a lot of ground, uh, and a lot of, uh, a lot of integrity was taken away from us because while he was being talked to by, um, by people from the campus, I don't know if it was campus security, but basically he said, yeah, I'm part of this group. They said I could come on campus and do there. And we had no idea what he was, what he was doing. And I certainly wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have agreed with that, uh, that approach by any, by any stretch of the imagination. But this is this is the challenge that we have. You know, we've got to be smarter than the world that's around us. Um so the next one was uh was just this. This was really funny. Um so when your comments when when your negative comments, when your aggressive, you know, over the top comments are just a meme and you think that actually validates your, your position? That pretty much sums up the intellectual integrity of what it is you're offering. Um if all you has to have to offer is a meme that you probably didn't even make yourself, you should probably just stay out of the conversation because it's it's You're bound to whatever this other person has. But you know what? Let's examine the meme by itself. Uh, It says, it's not an issue of religion versus science. Uh, It's an issue of dangerous magical thinking versus reality. And in the middle it says, to compare the two is the same as comparing astrology to astronomy. Wow, that sounds so deep and scientific. So it's not an an issue of religion versus science it's a religion of it's an issue of dangerous magical thinking versus reality so I'll put it to an, to you another way basically magical unsubstantiated unobservable things happening versus observable testable measurable repeatable scientific discoveries that's what this guy is actually talking about and you know what I agree with him I think that anything that, that moves in that direction should be rejected by the scientific community. For example, the idea that mud magically created the complex biochemical material like DNA or an ATP synthase motor Those ideas should be absolutely resisted. The idea that non-living chemicals are going to spontaneously arise into something as complicated as DNA and and, uh, uh, other life-giving molecules should be absolutely rejected. You see, science should be committed to observable processes. Things that can be, you know, backed up with actual observation. You see, everything about the human body and everything about the biochemical responses inside of uh, this this little meat bag that we're in are so finely tuned, are so amazingly engineered. That there's really only one other one option. That these things are designed, so they're absolutely right. We should stay away from dangerous magical thinking like evolution, the idea that something so complicated was really nothing more than a cosmic accident. We're nothing more than a bag of complicated pond scum. You're absolutely right. Magical thinking like that should be absolutely rejected. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to partially agree with this guy. Um, but you know, but it's a meme and you can only take that for so much. So there it is. Okay. Last slide. Again, another, another meme. And again, if you've got to resort to a meme to prove your point that's just a proof that you don't have a point to prove um so this one not a single religion that can survive uh, there's not a single religion that can survive these two words prove it and you know what they they're 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 sort of right in this in this context but you know what atheism is a religion and they have the same problem evolution Believe it or not, is a religious belief. They have the same problem. People think that evolution is a scientific theory. It's really not. At some point in time, Darwinism invokes faith and invokes the supernatural to get to get done what they they think happened. Atheism is the same thing. They invoke the supernatural at some point in time, and they have to they have to actually employ Christian beliefs in order to talk in order to try to deny Christian beliefs. It's really embarrassing when you get down to the get really down to the logical part of the argument, but. They don't want to talk about that. All they want to do is drop in a witty one-liner and try to make you look silly, which is unfortunate. But as Christians, we need to be prepared for this kind of argument. We need to not lose our temper when we're dealing with people like this. We need to step back, ask questions, and get them to understand the flaws in their own arguments. And this takes time. This take takes practice, and it takes intentionality. Learning to share your faith with people like this, especially people hostile to the faith, really does take a period of time. We've got to submit ourselves to this. We've got to commit ourselves to the process. It doesn't just happen in a moment, you know. Um, but this is one of the fundamental problems with with uh, uh, the Christian conversation today. All of the issues that we talked about, we make the same assumptions about people on the other side. We also make assumptions about people. On the inside, when we're having conversations Christian to Christian, I'll give you a quick example, and then I'm going to wrap this up for tonight. Uh, last year, I did a, a really long series; it was 13 or 14 weeks on false teachings and um, pagan pagan worship being brought into the church, um, like pagan mysticism. And so we spent I spent a ton of time talking about this, and in the process, I had to bring up some names of prominent false teachers who actually promote pagan views and pagan processes uh, into—they're mixing it with Christianity and creating something that is not gospel-oriented. You know, I don't want to get into it because Bill Johnson's a really popular person, and I would hate to bring him up because that makes people uncomfortable. But, you know, there are some people, there are some names that I brought up that are actually a big part of these types of false teachings. And in the process of doing this— I went through a couple of books. Um, we, we we just we talked about a ton of stuff, and at the very end, I did a message uh, um, on a Sunday morning where I talked about why I could no longer support um, uh, the organization of of Bethel Bethel Music and things like that. Why we stopped actually playing their music in uh, in, in our church service, and we went through the whole thing and all of that teaching was geared towards helping people understanding why we were actually making this this decision and i got some i got some feedback from other christians and it was it was unfortunate because of the way it was handled. See, when we're talking about atheists making assumptions, being unwilling to listen, being unwilling to be taught, being so locked into their own mindset that you actually can't get them to even consider a different view, we make the same mistakes. And just to be clear, I have made that same mistake myself in a number of things. We all have areas where we're just too rock-ribbed to move, uh, and that's unfortunate. We need to be more uh, to, we need to be more open to actually listening to people uh, than, uh, than than we really are. But in this conversation, and again, this was a this was a behind the keyboard conversation. This was not a face-to-face conversation because they almost never are. Uh, in that conversation, I, I have to admit, I kind of laughed out loud when I got the feedback from this person because what they said, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, this was this was the conversation. Uh, it started off with, I haven't listened to any of the teachings that you did on this subject. And I haven't read any of the books that you talked about. I think one of the books they had read like one chapter. But they hadn't read any of the books. They hadn't listened to any of the teachings. But they wanted me to know that I was wrong. Okay. So let me get this straight. So I've gone through quite literally about 14 hours worth of material that you paid no attention to. You caught the last 30-minute message that really had just basic summaries. Haven't read any of the books, haven't listened to any of the teachings, but I'm wrong. This is one of the fundamental problems with the Christian conversation because we have the same attitude towards unbelievers. Now, people don't need to need to need to have the same view that I have on certain things and and they don't have to agree with me. I, I'm fine with that. But how we approach these things, how we come to these conclusions matters. So when we say I'm not even willing to li-, and this please hear me on this when I'm not even willing to listen to anything that you're saying I'm not willing to learn or 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 your, how you got to the view that you have or have or gain any understanding as to why you you have come to the conclusion that you have but I'm still going to declare you wrong that's an issue for us That's when we have stepped outside of our ability to listen and we're just basically waiting for that other person to stop talking so that we can tell them what we think. So it becomes more about our opinion than it does about actually engaging in meaningful conversation. Now maybe the person doesn't change their mind. Irrelevant. Are we willing to actually engage in a conversation where they might be able to change their mind? You know, just like in, in 1 Peter, we should be always ready to give an answer to anyone who asks us about the hope that we have, but to do this with gentleness and respect. And that means being willing to listen to them in the same degree that we want them to be willing to listen to us. We've got to find a better way to do this because it makes us look immovable. It makes us look narrow. It makes us look unreasonable. Um, and obviously not everyone is like this. Please don't miss on, don't, as I've said before, don't hear what I'm not saying, but this is a very common issue within the church and especially within modern evangelism. Uh, it's unfortunate, but there it is, you know? Um, let's see. Yeah. Romans 12, 17 says we pay no one evil for evil, have regard for, uh, Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Think about that just for a second. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. I can think of so many different applications for this. You know, When someone is trying to wrong you, like these people that are trying to throw these comments out online, all they really want to do is try to make me look bad to the next person who might get involved in the chat chain uh that's fine now if i get on there you know and just delete these people you're all dumb you're all stupid i don't know why you don't think this or even if i just get into a long argumentative conversation with them i'm not i'm not moving the conversation forward but if i realize that the whole purpose of what i'm doing is to try to reach people who are willing to talk who are willing to dialogue then everything changes. Now I'm focusing on the positive things. I, I'm, I'm trying to have regard for the good things in the sight of all men, even the good things in in line with other people. Now I have reached out to some of the people for these of these comments. I mean, I'm not expecting to hear anything back from, uh, from them, but at the same time, you give them the option. Hoping to try to make some sort of uh, dialogue, but it almost never happens, and that, that's fine. But verse 18 here says, If it is possible, as much as depend on you, live peaceably with all men. That means people who agree with you, people who don't agree with you, people who are Christians, people who are not Christians, people who are um, aligning themselves with biblical truths, trying to function and live according to biblical authority, and people who are not. Try to live in peace with all of them. Because at the end of the day, judgment does not belong to us. Judgment belongs to God. Our job is to try to reach these people in a meaningful way, and in a world where it's becoming increasingly hostile or increasingly difficult to be a Christian, we really need to be thinking about this in a uh, in a more comprehensive way. We really need to be evaluating who we are, what we what we're doing, how we're doing it. Try to move forward in the most successful way that we can. Are we going to be perfect? No. Are we going to make mistakes? Yep. Are we going to make people mad? Yep. Are we going to turn some people off to the gospel? Yep. But if we do this, are we probably going to have a higher success rate than we previously had? Yep. None of us are called to be perfect, but that doesn't mean that we can't do the absolute best that we can with the opportunities that are available to us. So that's all I got for you tonight. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.